0: Bibles this morning, the book of 1 John chapter number 2, 1 John chapter number 2, we'll begin our reading in verse number 12, 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 12, you'll follow along with me, we'll read just a few verses this morning, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 12, the Bible says, I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning, we come to this passage of Scripture, there's three groups of people that are mentioned, and each group is mentioned twice. It will actually make up the three points of our message this morning. The first one is little children, little children. The second point is young men. And the third point is fathers. Children, young men, fathers. And the emphasis of this passage of Scripture is the progression and the maturing process that is natural to all people. It's very natural to mature, right? Uh, if you have a child that is uh, not growing at the rate that you think that that child should grow, you become concerned, you get tests, you see specialists, because uh, you want your children to grow. Some of us are at a stage in our lives where we don't want our children to grow up anymore, but uh, the truth is, if they stop growing up, then we've got a big problem. Uh, Ever we need to grow up, we need to mature. And in this text, in this passage of scripture, the emphasis is made on the maturing Christian. The Christian should not stay as a little child, but should strive to be a young man. And the young man should strive to be a father. And spiritually speaking, this is so true. We must, it's time to grow up. And today's message is titled just that, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow I want to challenge you this morning. Wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray that you'll take the next step. I pray you'll ask the Lord to show you what the next step is and that you'll obey him. And I'll just tell you, every step I've ever taken toward the Lord has been a step in the right direction that I've not regretted. May God help us to grow up. It's time to grow up. Have you ever had somebody tell you to grow up? Uh, Isn't that lovely? When I was in college... I was a dorm supervisor and I was given the responsibility to to help keep things in order with uh, with the rest of the dorm supervisors and when you became a dorm supervisor you had the ability to write demerits I didn't write very many because I didn't like that Part of my job, but on occasion there would come an instance where you had to say something to somebody that was doing something that they shouldn't. Now, where I went to college, it was it was pretty strict. It was a, a Bible college, and the dating rules were were uh, were strict, and you weren't allowed to hold hands with your uh, with your girlfriend uh, at school. It was just not. It was against the rules, no way, and so. We had groups of people who were madly in love. You know, those folks in college, they were madly in love with this guy this week and madly in love with that guy that week. And, and so we had folks who were just madly in love. And they couldn't hold hands in public at school, but they could stare at each other. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody madly in love and they just look in each other's eyes? It's just goo-goo eyes, you know? Well, it's disgusting. And... Uh, <clears throat> So we had this one particular couple. I will testify that they did finally get married. And uh, they're still married. But this couple, they were bad about the whole goo-goo-eye thing. I mean, they'd get as close as they could get without breaking the rules. But they'd just stare into each other's eyes. It was an empty stare, I'm confident. But they'd stare in each other's eyes. And one day I came by, and these, these folks, he, the guy... He was just a little bit snippy. And uh, I'll never forget, I had a group of guests. I was getting ready. To, I would do tours of the college. And I had a group of guests getting ready to come through the bookstore and all by the bookstore porch. And I was, I, was going to meet my, uh, I was going to meet my group. Here they are. They're on the porch. And they are goo-goo-eyed. And it was disgusting. And I was like, somebody's got to say something. And it happened to be me. So I walked up to the guy and I said, Listen, man, y'all are going to have to just kind of separate a little bit and stop staring at each other. It's disgusting. And uh, because I've got guests coming, and you're going to offend them because you've offended me. And you never guess what he did. That boy looked at me and he said, Cody, when you grow up, you'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never guess what, what I did. I stomped off mad. <laughs> I didn't like to be told I needed to grow up. But the truth is, if we're not growing up, then we've definitely got a problem, right? If we're not maturing, if we're not growing, if we're not learning, if we're not advancing, then there's something wrong. As a matter of fact, God has designed our lives that we're always learning, we're always advancing. And as we get in the later years of our life, the, the progress d- slows, but it never stops. And we should all be yearning in our Christian lives to be more like Jesus, to be more obedient to God and His Word, to know more of His Word, to be more like our Savior. And so, you know what? It's time to grow up. Hey, Lord help us. I want you to ask the Lord to show you yourself in this message. Look with me. We'll begin point number one with... Little children. The Bible says in verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Again, in verse 13, toward the end of the verse, the Bible says, I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Let's talk about little children for just a minute. Now, this is the entry point of Christianity. Little children is the entry point of Christianity. That moment in which you become the child of God, when does that happen? So, the Bible says here in verse number 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Now, when does a person become a Christian? Often I talk to people and I ask this question, and maybe I should ask it differently. I ask the question, I say, Are you a Christian? There's lots of people who identify themselves as Christians, and that's fine to a certain extent, but I want to ask God what is the entry point for being a Christian. A lot of people would say that I'm a Christian because Papa and mamma or grandfather and grandmother went to a church, and they are Christians, and my parents are Christians, and I'm a Christian. We, we've been in church before, but I'll just tell you something. Your connection through your family to a church does not make you a Christian. There's a lot of people who have this idea that they've done some, they've done some uh, religious exercise that has made them a Christian. There are some people who think that if they've taken communion, they've become a Christian. If they've been baptized, they've become a Christian. But I want you to know something, that that's not the entry point for Christianity. Some people have the idea that just because they've uh, they kind of, you know, the Bible seems to be the most uh, relevant choice for religion and Jesus seems to be... Uh, uh, A character in history that makes the most sense and so he's Christ and so yeah I'm a Christian but just some casual belief that the Bible may be true or that Jesus is a savior and what Jesus did was real is not the entry point for being a Christian you know the Bible says that the demons and devils believe on Jesus and fear and tremble but that doesn't make them Christians how do I become the child of God Well, the Bible says right here, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. The entry point for Christianity is that moment in which you and I individually, personally understand that we are sinners, that our sin condemns us. That our sin must be paid for. And the only way that our sin can be paid for is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. So, listen, folks, if you say you're a Christian, but you've never been saved, you are not the child of God, and you are not the little child that the Bible talks about that you have to be in order to be saved. Little children. The Bible says, the little child, I write to little children, because your sins are forgiven you. Folks, let me ask you, has there been a time in your life where you realized that you were a sinner? That you turned to Jesus and accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation and called on the Lord and got saved? If there's not been a time in your life where you've been saved, you know what the first step for you as a To become a child of God is. To let Jesus forgive your sins and become your Savior. Little children. Oh, it's a sweet thing to become a little child. It's a sweet thing to be saved. It's a sweet thing to come to that understanding. I'll never forget. It was the reality of my sin as a child that made me know I needed to be saved. I felt so guilty I knew I was rotten. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that my sin condemned me. And I was so thankful when my mom and other folks around me pointed me to the fact that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for my sins. I'm so thankful. Many years ago, I got saved. And became a little child. Now, let me tell you something. There's something about being a little child that we should never get tired of. That childlike faith that gets excited to know that we have a father in heaven who loves us unconditionally. That should never change. And the childlike boyish spirit should never leave. But if you just get saved and that's the end then I want you to understand that you've missed out on God's plan and God's perfect perfect will for your life because he doesn't expect you to get saved and sit on the sidelines for the rest of your life. God has a purpose in saving you. There's a passage of Scripture that says that we should work out our own salvation with fear and truth. Some people think that's a good sign and a, and a Bible proof that we can work our way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. But I can tell you what you can do. You can get saved as a little child and you can begin to work and serve the Lord and see why God saved you. When we're working out our own salvation, we're working, out, we're working to see why did God save me? What does God have for me? And I'll tell you something. It's something sweet and right and pure special. You'll like what God's planned for your life. He's faithful. We shouldn't stay as little children, should we? You see, it's time to grow up. The Bible says little children realize that their sins have been forgiven, but then we move to the next stage, young men. Look what the Bible says in verse number 13. Verse number 13, the middle of the verse, the Bible says, I write unto you young men, Because ye have overcome the wicked one. Look with me in verse number 14. The middle of the verse. It says, I have written unto you young men. Because ye are strong. And the word of God abideth in you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. So the next step is young men. Now... When I've studied this and most commentators like to make the illustration when they're talking about young men and the comparison of little children, young men, and fathers. And the comparison they like to make is, who do you send to fight your battles? I pray for peace in our nation, in our world, and I don't want to see any of our boys or girls sent to fight wars. But when the draft fired up for Vietnam, who did they send? They sent our young men. They didn't send the children. They didn't send the old guys. They sent our young men. Why? Because it's at that stage in life when you're able to do things better and stronger in certain ways. In our house, there's uh, that's come a time where years ago, if something needed to be gotten downstairs, I'd just go get it. But now the Lord has provided me with four legs that are faster than mine. And so often I say, hey, Hudson, go get that. And I like that. It's good. It's their job. They're paying their debts. And it's great. (laughs) We had a basketball goal at our other house, and when you missed the Basket, it went down the hill and there was several times I missed the basket and the ball went down the hill. You know what I said? Ian, you how to go get that. (laughs) It's not that I can't, it's it's easier for them. They're, They're young men. You see, we shouldn't ever get to the place where we're satisfied being babies in Christ. Just like we shouldn't be satisfied staying babies or wearing diapers for the rest of our days when our boys were little. It came potty training time, of course, at different stages. And so Ian first, Hudson next. And you know, you've got kids, teenage boys, they love when their dad tells hundreds of people about potty training. You've got to love it. So we'd heard and been coached, and our plan was potty train cold turkey. And we learned a way to motivate our boys, and it worked. They were little 13, 14 years old. And was, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They were little, literally, two or less. and uh, Our plan was this. We're going to throw the diapers away cold turkey. And the motivation that we used was very simple. I remember I sat each boy down at separate times, and I looked right in their eyes. I said, man, Ian, you are such a big boy. And you could watch him. You tell, you tell a two-year-old boy he's a big boy. And it's like, <laughs> you are such a big boy. And you're doing so good. I said, you know, babies wear diapers. If you noticed babies wear diapers. And he's, he's listening. I was like, but are you a baby? No, I'm not. I mean, you are a big boy. I said, big boys don't wear diapers. Big boys, when they have to use the bathroom, they use the potty. You are a big boy. And I, big boy. Every time I said big boy, ooh. You're a big boy. And I'll never forget it. It's so sweet. It's so much fun. I said, here's what we're going to do, bud. It's time. Are you ready to be a big boy? Yes, sir. I said, we're going to take those diapers right here in your diaper basket. We're going to throw them in the trash. Big boys don't wear diapers, is that right? You're a big boy, right? And I, it was awesome. He reached in that basket and grabbed two or three diapers that we had left in there. and He marched. I said, you know, you take in diapers and you go throw them in the trash can. Big boys don't wear diapers. And he marched his way to the trash can, threw those diapers away. And praise the Lord for us, it worked. It was great. But the emphasis was he didn't want to be a baby anymore. Now, why in the world do we allow ourselves to be okay with being baby Christians, but we don't want to be the young men, the folks that are in the trenches, the people that are doing the work, the people who are willing to go the extra mile in order to see the work of God accomplished. We need to mature as Christians. And where you are, you may be here today and you're saved, but that's as far as it got. Folks, it's not natural, it's not right, and you're missing out on what God wants for you. There came time in my life where I didn't want to be a child anymore. I wanted to say, I'll do it. Let me do it. Let me have it. Let me have the tool. Let me drive the truck. Let me do that. Why? Because I didn't want to be a baby. See, the difference between a child and a young man is the young man begins to take on responsibility. Responsibility. Now perhaps you are one of these Christians who you're satisfied with the fact that you got saved back when but you don't want to be inconvenienced with the work of God. Stop that mess. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. I don't care if you're 10, 15, 20, 25 80, 90, or 100, if you've just become quaint and satisfied with the fact that you know you're going to heaven because you're saved, but you're not willing to inconvenience yourself to see other people saved, or inconvenience yourself to minister to other people, let me tell you something, you are not the young man that God has saved you to be, and you've got, you're missing out on God's blessing. You see, the babies, they get upset when you take something from them. But young men say, who cares, it's just a passy. The babies get upset when they don't get to eat when they want to eat. But the young men say, I'll get my own food. The babies, they get upset when things don't go their way. But the young men say, I'm going to make sure that this work, that this community hears the gospel, that the work of the Lord is done. And I know it's going to cost me. I know it's not going to be comfortable. But that's okay because I'm a young man and God saved me for a purpose. So the Bible gives this picture. The young, the babies become young men and the young men take on responsibility. Not only do they take on responsibility, but through the power of the word of God, They accomplish great things for God and His glory. Look what the Bible says the young men do. Verse number thirteen: I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked. God says, "Hey, look, the young men when they decide to stand up for Jesus, God gives them victory over the wiles of the devil. God gives them victory. God gives them souls. God blesses them." The Bible says in verse number fourteen: I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. Guess what? These young men become strong. They overcome the wicked one. The Bible says, you're strong. The word of God abideth in you. And look, there's a key part of being a child of God. The word of God abides. What's the difference between the baby that's offended all the time and the young man who says, I'm going to do what I need to do, even if it hurts and it goes against the grain? The word of God. Let me tell you a verse of Scripture that's so good. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Don't forget it. It's the difference between a baby and a young man. And it's possible to be 90 years old and still a baby in Christ, but it shouldn't be that way. May God help us to determine before we die and for the rest of our lives to be at least young men in the service of God. It's important. We get it in His Word. We get it when we're willing to take on responsibility. We get it. When we move from babies, little children, children. To young men. I may have shared this song with you before. But I love it. It's perfect for this message. Have you ever heard the song Fat Baby? It's an old song of the faith. Fat Baby. And I'm going to sing it for you. It tells the story about the little child. You ready? I know a man. Maybe you know him too. You never can tell he might even be you. He knelt at the altar, and that was the end. He's saved, but that's all that matters to him. His spiritual tummy, it can't take too much. One day a week, he gets his spiritual lunch. On Sunday he puts on his spiritual best And gives his language a spiritual rest He's just a fat, he's just a fat little baby He wants his bottle and he don't mean maybe He sampled solid food once or twice But he says doctrine leaves him cold as ice He's been baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood His daily devotions are stuck in the mud He knows the books of the Bible John 316 he's got the biggest king james you've ever seen i've always wondered if he'll grow up someday he's mama's boy and he likes it that way if you happen to see him tell him i said he'll never grow if he doesn't get fed he's just a fat you get the point <laughs> look we should not be satisfied to just put on airs and symbols of faith We shouldn't be satisfied to be lost. We shouldn't be satisfied just to be children of God. We should determine with God's help, I want to be a young man that's in the trenches serving God for his glory because let me tell you something, there's a whole lot of time beyond this life and we should be living our lives for eternity. May God help us to mature from little children to young men. Finally, number three, fathers. Fathers. The Bible says in verse number 13, I've written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. So the Bible says here, fathers, you've known him that is from the beginning. And the the emphasis, the first emphasis on fathers is you've known him, you know him, you know God. In verse number 14, the Bible says, I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. It's interesting, when we talk about little children, the first time we talk about little children, there's something. And then the second time we talk about little children, there's a little bit more. Then when we get to young men, there's the first time we talk about young men, uh, there's something. And then the next time we talk about young men, there's a little bit more. But then when we talk about fathers, the Bible says two times the same thing about fathers. I write to you, fathers, you have known him which is from the beginning. Who's he that's from the beginning? God. He says, fathers, you've, you've known God. Fathers, you've known God. You've known him which is from the beginning. When I first read this, I was looking for you've known God. Then I was looking for something beyond, something to add to it, something that was better than knowing God. <laughs> and then it dawned on me. There isn't anything better. And true spiritual maturity progresses from someone who knows they're a sinner and gets saved and becomes a child of God, who then grows in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and grows in the faith and wants to serve God and is willing to inconvenience himself for the glory of God and and wants to live for Jesus and progresses from that to a father who their yearning is to know God. To know God. Do you have a yearning in your heart to know God? That's a sign that you're maturing. Now listen, the father never loses the joy of the child-like faith. The father never loses the fire and the yearning and willingness to serve God even if it costs him something like the young man. But the father, he knows that the key and the secret and the glory and the most important thing in all the world is to know God. It's to know him. Paul felt the same way. If you'd look with me back in Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three. Paul gives and begins to talk about some of his credentials in religion. Paul was quite the man. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was one of the most devout people that we've ever known, we've ever studied in the Jews' religion. So much so that he was was so opposed to what Jesus was doing to the Jewish faith He was persecuting the church and Christians until he got saved. He begins to tell us about all the things that he's accomplished as a Jew. But the Bible says in verse number 7 of Philippians chapter 3, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. He said, all these things I've done in the flesh... I've counted loss. Verse number 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He says there's nothing more important than to know God. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Verse number 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse number 10, this is where I want you to see what Paul said. He said, let me just put this on the bottom line. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. What was Paul's prayer as a father in the faith that I may know him? Hey, look, we should yearn to know God. Why? Why you earn to know God? Well, he created everything around you and created you and knows what you need better than anybody else. Why should I want to know God? Because he is the only person that can provide for you everlasting life through God the Son, Jesus Christ. Why should I want to know God? Because he understands the past, the present, and the future with great perfection and you would be a fool not to submit to his authority. And a father... Standing back, looking and considering all there is. He says, thank you, Jesus, for saving me and making me your child. Thank you for the years and for the opportunity you've given me to serve you. Though it's not always comfortable, thank you for the grace. And the father sits back and says, thank you, God, that I can know you. Thank you, God, that I can be more like you. Thank you, God, that I can pursue you. Thank you, God, that you're present and with me. Fathers know him. Fathers know him. Hey, listen. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Look, don't be satisfied being lost. Don't think there's any other way you can become a Christian other than through God's way of becoming a Christian. You need to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus and get saved. And once you're saved, don't stop there. The first step for a person that's been saved is to follow the Lord in Baptism. You need to be baptized. Obey the Lord there. And after you've been baptized and determined, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to do the right thing. And determine with your life to know God. It's time to grow up. Let me challenge you. Wherever you are spiritually, take the next step. Oh, you'll be so glad you did. It's time to grow up. Let's pray.